Dimelangam Zanzi and welcome back to Sisters Without Shame, a no-holds-barred podcast that is proudly brought to you by Healthform Zanzi. I am your host, Nolutando Ngakani, and I am here to hold your hand as you seek the answers to those medical shames and woes you dare not speak of in public. No bump or lump is too embarrassing here. Nana, Lulu has got your back. The Twitter streets have been murky as hell lately, and a hidden gem for me on the trending list was 29-year-old Johannesburg photographer Petolo Jag Fakude, who decided to get a vasectomy because being a parent just wasn't on the cards for him. If you don't know, a vasectomy is a small operation to prevent pregnancy. It blocks sperm from getting to your semen when you ejaculate. With no sperm leaving your body, you can't get someone pregnant. You can still have an orgasm and ejaculate. Now typically, in our society today, the responsibility of birth control is always on women who must carry the weight of making sure that the act of sex does not lead to pregnancy. We decided to reach out to Jag, who shares his vasectomy journey with us this week. Jag, you trended on Twitter. So, you know, what is a vasectomy? And can I also ask, you know, what kind of sparked the decision to go through the, the SNP? So in terms of what sparked the decision, in terms of reasoning, I have always known that I do not want to have children. That's a consistent feeling that I've always had throughout my life where growing up, having nieces and nephews, being around, loving, caring, and all of that, none of it ever sparked that brooding feeling that parents talk about where they have that desire to share in the same thing, that sweetness of a child that you bore and that sort of thing. So I always knew that was never part of the picture that I had formulated for myself looking forward because my picture was really quite simple, a small place with maybe two or three cats and that's about it. So knowing that I never had any desire for marriage and children, I then started to ask the question of how do I ensure that? Because of course I know that there has to be some responsibility taken for making sure that I do not get anyone pregnant and end up having a child regardless of the fact that I don't want to have a child, which we know happens a lot. So I did my research for a while and I must have done pretty lackluster research because I didn't find anything useful at the time that I started thinking about it. But thankfully for me, a couple of years down the line, I ended up overhearing a guy at a club who was talking about the fact that he doesn't have children and never can. So hearing this, I obviously then chimed in and asked what he means. And he just explained that he'd had this procedure called a vasectomy done, where he then relayed what it means and how it functions. I held on to that because I was like, there's a permanent solution. That's exactly what I need for myself. So I found out technically late 2015, early 2016, about the fact that vasectomies are a thing. And from that point, I pretty much became set on getting it done, but it was still quite expensive. And the places that were more affordable were not places in Nalspreit, where I was living at the time, or Joburg, where I have been living since. Eventually, in terms of actually getting it done this time around, it's because I finally found a place that was affordable and I put the money together and had it done. All that was really pending was just finding a urologist that I could actually afford. 
outside of medical aid and have the procedure done. So men would seemingly fear the SNP. Was it painful at all? And, you know, how did you feel after the procedure? To outline how the procedure actually functions, which, you know, that's the thing that's kind of been a big part of this conversation is explaining what a vasectomy actually is, because there are lots of people who genuinely do not understand how it functions. And particularly a lot of men who have misconceptions about it or have conflated it with castration, which is alarming because that's 100% not the case. First time I've ever heard of a vasectomy was watching an episode of my wife and kids and dad had to go get the snip and like just the thought of getting the snip like just horrified him. He didn't go through with it. I'll first just explain how it functions and then I'll explain anything to do with the pain and that because that question comes up a lot and it's really not as intense as people imagine it to be. But in terms of how it functions, it's a very simple approach on a biological level where your seminal fluid is made up of all these proteins and everything else that's coming from your prostate. And then it's also about 1% made up of the sperm, which is coming from the testicles. So that sperm travels through a tube called the vas deferens. And that's where vasectomy comes from as a procedure, because the vas deferens is the tube that will be snipped to stop the movement of sperm from the testicles through the entire thing into what is eventually the full seminal fluid during ejaculation. So what you're imagining here is that you've got a road where one side of it has 98% of the traffic and the other side has 2% of the traffic. And all you're doing is just stopping 2% of the traffic. So the other 98% that has no sperm in it carries on as usual. So your ejaculate is also literally indistinguishable from what it was before in terms of how it feels and how it looks. The only difference is that it just does not carry any sperm. So when you go in to do a vasectomy, what they do is that they make an incision. There are different ways of making incisions. The popular one that is also the most affordable one is the one that I did, where they would make one incision essentially roughly between the two testicles, and they go in to grab the vas deferens on either side because there's one moving from each testicle, obviously. So they grab it, they pull it out, they snip a portion of it, let's say a centimeter or two. And then depending on what kind of procedure you've chosen, they might tie the ends separately, or they might solder the ends shut, which is the most permanent sort of idea is that it's soldered shut, but they could also put a metal clip around it. And the people who choose the one where it's tied or clipped with metal are the ones who might consider reversal in the sense that you can undo those tips and then reattach them. It is possible to do that. There's about an 80% success rate, but the success rate diminishes the longer you go without reversal. So someone trying to do a reattachment two years in is probably going to have a higher chance than someone trying to do it 10 years in kind of thing. But if you are trying to do the reversible one, they will make you aware of the fact that success is not guaranteed. And generally, you're better off assuming that a vasectomy is a permanent solution. So when the vas deference is snipped, they take that little bit away and the tubes no longer connect. So sperm no longer travels into the seminal fluid during ejaculation. Nothing else is affected except for the fact that there is no sperm content in your ejaculate anymore. And that's what needs to be understood is that 
unlike any hormonal treatments or something as intense as a hysterectomy where you have to go through all of these changes, all that this is doing is cutting out the smallest percentage of content in the overall fluid and the rest of you is entirely the same. When it comes to the experience of pain, the procedure that I described where it's under local anesthesia, so it begins with needles into the scrotum to numb the area, which you feel, obviously. You must feel the initial needle before you go numb. That is a bit of discomfort. And after that, you feel nothing except for the snipping of the vas deferens itself. So the vas deferens itself is not numbed, which means you will 100% feel the pain of a part of your body that is a tube-like thing being pulled and snipped and then brought back into the testicle. But it's a sharp pain that passes very quickly in the sense that before I was even done responding to it, it was already over. It was maybe five, six seconds at most, and it's done. And then it's just the mental game of knowing it's going to happen one more time on the other side, and then it's over. But that pain is just minimal compared to everything else that you're doing this for. It is minimal compared to childbirth. It is minimal compared to the hormonal imbalances that you might have to deal with on medication, with a hysterectomy or tubal ligation. Also because the healing process is so incredibly quick. Three days in already, I was able to walk around and move on with my life kind of thing. A week in, I was back at work. Nothing was noticeably different in any way. And now over two weeks later, you wouldn't be able to tell that I ever had anything done to me. So it is important to emphasize that I do get the question of how painful it is. And yes, if it is under local anesthesia, you will feel the snip, but it's such a sharp burst of pain that is gone. And you're going to be grateful that that's all you have to put up with once this procedure is done. If you do it the more expensive private way, then you're under general anesthesia. So you never have to feel the pain anyway. If your medical aid covers it, then you're going to have a great time. I had a friend who did it the private route two days after mine, and he has no idea what it's like to have his vast difference snipped because he was down for the whole thing. I don't know why I'm thinking of like a piercing when you kind of describe the process. I have no piercing, so unfortunately I can't, can't comment on that. But that's the thing. I don't even think it's like a piercing because... You have that sharp pain in that moment, but it does not linger. That's the thing. From what I've heard with piercings, there's that aftercare, there's a bit of pain until everything settles. There isn't really a settling stage with this. There's just recovery, which is being careful for three days with some bed rest and an ice pack, and then starting to test your limits every day with a bit more walking, a bit more sitting, a bit more, you know, spending time outside. So it's not that you're in this constant state of dealing with pain until you become okay. And due to people wanting to know about this, in those initial days, I would post every day what my pain level was ranked out of 10. And already, I think on the third day, I was already at a two out of 10. But that's during certain situations, like when I'm doing a bandage change. Of course, I am interacting with the incision more directly. So there will be some discomfort pulling a bandage off and putting a new one on and also just cleaning with an alcohol swab. But that period is just the first couple of days and it's already over before you know it. It is an invasive procedure, but, you know, not as severe as, you know, what women have to go through. So I feel like you are kind of living proof that this burden of being the responsible one in the horizontal tango 
is not solely up to women, you know, what are your thoughts then on other methods of contraception that women have to go through? I've had many conversations where we contrasted the experience that men have in this regard and the options that men have compared to what women might have. We know that historically the burden of birth control has been carried by women and no one can argue against that because it's 2022 and still we as men only have three options. It's either you use condoms which have a level of success that is not guaranteed or you use withdrawal which is the least successful thing on the planet or you get a vasectomy done. Through all this time, we've not even developed because the first two barely count. We've essentially developed one for men, which is the vasectomy. Whereas with women, the list is so long, I wouldn't even be able to go through it right now. But all the trials, all of the testing has been on what can we do to make the woman's body able to carry this burden and prevent childbirth. And on the flip side, you have a vasectomy, which The most important part of it is the fact that you will not go through any of the questioning that women have to go through when undergoing this process. When I decided that I was going to make my booking at Reproductive Choices and Centurion, where I did mine, I called in, I told them what procedure I wanted. They gave me a time and date. I showed up on the day for the procedure. There was no questioning of my family planning, of my partner, who I might meet in future, who happens to be the perfect person and suddenly makes me want to have 10,000 children. They just explained exactly how the procedure would work. And then I went in and had it done. That's all. They explained the technicalities of it. And that's it. They did not react to my age. They did not react to the fact that I had a friend of mine, a woman who was with me in the room. There was no turning to her to say, are you the girlfriend or spouse? And how do you feel about this? It's almost as if she had not been present in that moment. And we know 100% that that is not the experience women have because during this journey, I've also had talks on my Twitter where women who've had procedures like a tubal ligation done, a hysterectomy done, have commented about the absolute struggle it is to take charge of your fertility and just choose to be infertile. As men, you can pretty much elect at any point to do this. And at most, the questioning you might have is if you're under the age of 25, they might make sure that you want to do it, but they'll still do it is the thing that matters. The youngest person I know of who's had this done was 19. And we know for a fact that there is no world where a 19-year-old woman is about to have a tubal ligation or hysterectomy or any of that. And it also just shouldn't have to come to that extent, right? Because those procedures for women are so much more invasive than a little snip. We call it the snip for a reason. It's such a twee name, but it is that because it's such a small procedure in contrast. That's why this conversation should be happening is here we present an easy, quick way. And the best part of it is that it's not even 100% infertility. Because should you ever change your mind, you can just have the sperm extracted directly from the testicles and go through the IVF process if you still care about having a biological child. But you know that it'll never be outside of your plan and it will never be without intention, which is what I think a lot of us need to be talking about is actual intentional family planning when it comes to when we have children. You know, it's kind of shocking that, you know, you didn't get the whole 
are you sure kind of probing questions from the medical practitioners that did it? Yeah, there was absolutely none of that. I spoke with the sister before going into the actual procedure. Uh, She's the one who explained how everything would work. She drew a little diagram of where the incision would be made. She gave me a relaxant and some pain medication and then sent me into the room where the doctor just had me get up on the table and have the procedure done. By the time you meet urologist, you're not even having a conversation anymore. He's just saying, okay, we're going to do this. He tells you, they do it. And then goes on to the next step. We're going to do the incision. We're going to do the snip, prepare for a bit of pain here. Just keep talking so that you're able to bear it. And then it's over. It is handled in the most blissfully clinical way possible in that you went in with a problem and they respond to it and it's over. And that is also consistently the response that I've gotten from other men who've had the procedure done is that some of them ended up doing it because their wives, for example, the ones who were married, wanted a tubal ligation and they were denied. And then the man was like, okay, I'll just go ahead and get a vasectomy then. And he was able to. That's the world that we currently live in is that they're the same age. They have the same level of ability to reproduce, but it is just denied and made difficult when you're a woman. As a man, nobody's going to ask you what your dream partner is going to say about it. They'll just let you do what you want to do. Kind of messed up, Jag. Does a vasectomy affect your sex drive in any way? A big part of this is that the only thing that is interfered with is the movement of sperm, right? It's not the production of sperm. It's nothing to do with your testosterone. It's just the one tube that connects to the seminal fluid that makes up your ejaculate is interrupted. One road is cut off. It is unlike a hysterectomy or anything else where your system as a whole is involved to some extent. So when you come out of this, all you've done is essentially reduce by the smallest amount, the volume that you ejaculate, if you see what I mean. So you come out of this exactly as you were before, except for the fact that you cannot make children. And yes, I get that question a lot, but also thankfully for us, we're having this conversation now where I've gone past the initial healing period, where I'm in the space now where I'm allowed to engage in sexual activity. And I'm essentially going through the stages of what we call clearing out anything that might be remaining, because there's a process where you have to ejaculate a certain number of times to make sure that any residual sperm is cleared out. And then you can go get a sample tested at Lancet to certify the fact that you're at 0% sperm content now. So being in that stage is essentially doctor's orders telling you to get busy. There is absolutely no difference in my desire or ability now compared to how things were before. And that is worth emphasizing because nothing will change. What's actually most likely to happen is that you'll have an improved approach to your interest and sexual ability because you also know that you've taken charge of how it's going to be handled, particularly for anyone who is in a serious relationship or is married. So they have decided to engage in unprotected sex safely, then you also know that you can be enthusiastic about it as much as you want without any of that burden of something could go wrong in the way of an unplanned pregnancy. So there is absolutely no effect. You're literally in the best position you could be in. You were speaking about things that could go wrong and like, you know, 
babies are always the number one threat for getting that there's things like STDs and HIV and AIDS. Yeah. We are living in such a country where that's still an ongoing pandemic. Yes, and, and that's why I've specified that this is strictly only about reproductive control. All the other measures that you would still put in place for protecting yourself against infections and diseases have to remain in place as they were before. This conversation is definitely only limited to what you're doing about family planning and your reproductive choices in general, but the rest still applies. And I have noted this time and again when this conversation comes up, because there is that response from some people where essentially they're like, oh, so you just did this so you can go around having all the unprotected sex you can imagine. And no, that is not the world we live in. And that would be woefully reckless to do. So it's quite important to understand that I might come out of that without a child, but I might come out of that with an infection that is obviously not welcome. So it's not about that at all. Protection is still paramount and should always be applied. And also then, you know, should you have a slip up in terms of a condom breaking, at least it's not going to result in a child. So there's that. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Sisters Without Shame, Jag. For more on his vasectomy journey, check out healthformzanzi.co.za. Now remember, if you are in a medical jam, you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za or send us an SMS to 076-132-0454. I would never blue tick you, babes. When it comes to family planning, the weight of responsibility is really on women to get the job done. We are the vessels who were anatomically created to carry precious cargo after all. Allow people to make their own choices freely. Family planning is a shared responsibility, as Petolo said. You want kids? Then have them. And if you don't, don't. That brings us to the end of episode 33 of Sisters Without Shame, proudly brought to you by Healthform Zanzi, from me, Lulu Nakani, have a great week and remember to show your girl some love by sharing this podcast with a friend.